Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yelton, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep. deep. Diving deep into all things Texas. Both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome, Welcome. Welcome. to Utopia. Hey everybody, welcome in. It is the Utopia Football Podcast, our mailbag edition, midweek edition we call it here. Week three is upon us. The Texans traveling to Jacksonville this weekend, trying to get their first win of the season. We'll hit your mailbag questions. If you want to email us a mailbag question for a future episode, you can do that, mailbag at gmail.com, and we'll get to the mailbag questions in just a little bit. Uh, but before we do that, I will introduce myself. I'm Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast Mornings on Sports Radio 610. Joined, as always, by my good friend, the Hall of Famer, our senior columnist at SportsRadio610.com, John McClain. John, how are we doing? I am doing great, Sean. Thank you for asking. Yeah. Um, are you doing better than Laramie Tunsil's knee or knees? Uh, I don't have knee issues, and I don't have knees knee issues. Okay. And what I'm referring to there, of course, let's get into some of these Texans injuries um, as the Texans continue to lick their wounds from the 31-20 loss to the Colts on Sunday at NRG Stadium. There's a new injury to add to the list, which we'll get to in a second. But, John, I guess just to one injury that has everybody talking, I guess maybe the one word that has everybody talking, post D'Amico Ryan's press conference from Monday, the very first question was about Laramie Tunsil possibly coming back this week. And he said, we'll see how Laramie Tunsil's knees feel, plural. Do you think that's just a case of D'Amico Ryan's misspeaking, or do you think it's a multiple knee thing going on with Laramie Tunsil? Or he could just have sore knees, which is not good for this time of the year. One could be worse than the other. One could have kept him out of the game against the Colts while the other one bothering him. So I don't have any idea. D'Amico will never tell us anything about injury, so we'll have to wait till the Midweek injury report comes out and see if it says knee or knees. You don't think if somebody asked him on Wednesday, is it you said knees or or does Laramie have multiple knee issues going on that he wouldn't say yes or no to that? That he wouldn't just say I I, I meant knee. You 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 don't think he'd answer that, huh? I'll ask him that. And I, but when he asked when he's asked about guys injuries, he said he's okay. This he won't address anything specifically. So I'll ask him. I think it'll. I'd be surprised if he says no. It's just one knee. Okay, gotcha. Um, so the the injury that got added to the report this week, or got the injury that there's no report yet. There will be a report tomorrow, but the one I'm guessing we expect to see, Tavier Thomas, slot corner. He's played some good football for the Texans the last few years. Of course, they cut Des King, and Tavier Thomas has been the starting slot corner this year so far. 
Um, I guess a broken hand now, John. Is that right, Tavier Thomas? A broken hand. Tavier's got a got a broken hand. I don't know if he can play with a club. You know, we thought that Larry, that uh, Titus Howard might be able to. He didn't, and they put him on injured reserve. Thomas has been really good in the slot last year, and if he can't play, do they move Jimmy Ward? If Jimmy Ward can play, Ward's missed both of the first both of the first games with a hip injury. And we don't know how bad his hip injury is, but if he comes back, will they move him to the slot where he played last year for D'Amico Ryans with the 49ers? Played really well. Didn't like it. You know, he likes playing back, playing safety where they're interchangeable, but they might be desperate enough to do it. But right now they're also missing Jalen Petrie. And uh, Eric Murray left that game with a shoulder injury. So besides the offensive line, they got big problems with safety. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I guess, I'm guessing Jimmy Ward's going to do whatever's best for the team. He's been vocal about not liking it, as you pointed out. I know he was on with John and Landry on In the Loop during training camp, and he was very vocal about the fact that he hoped that the roster that got handed out at training camp said an S next to his name, not an S and a slash cornerback next to his name. Um, Tavier Thomas playing with a club is an interesting one. It would seem to me it make it awfully hard to intercept passes, and yet um, – Tavier Thomas with a club on his hand playing slot corner. Could you envision something like that, John? Do you, I do don't you, know. It depends on if, if the if, when we talk about a broken hand, it can be a slight fracture. It can be yeah. a big fracture. It can be dislocated, but it also could just be a slight fracture where you could fix him up and he could knock down passes. But yeah. I'm guessing he's going to be out too. They got issues in the secondary. They got issues in their front seven. It's got nothing to do with injuries. It's got to do with poor play. Yeah. Can you remember a team being this banged up this early in the season that you covered, John? Never. Never a team that has the injuries they have in the offensive line. And, you know, Sean, when you say, okay, they were missing four starters, well, if you think about it, some of those starters they're missing should be backups. They're replacing other starters. I've never seen anything like that. And now to not have three safeties possibly for this game coming up at Jacksonville, that's that's going to be – I'm not saying – yeah, I'm catastrophic. You got a pocket yeah. passer and Trevor Lawrence looking to bounce back from a mediocre performance, and he might pick him apart, especially if they can't do a better job of getting heat on him they did than they did on Anthony Richardson and Gardner Minshew. Of course, the third safety you're talking about is Eric Murray, whose name we haven't mentioned yet, but he left the game on Sunday with a concussion. So, yeah, Petrie, Ward, Murray. As of right now, we'll learn more tomorrow about what the status is of these of these guys. But this this will be a very highly anticipated injury report tomorrow, John. Maybe one of the most highly anticipated injury reports of all time for the Houston Texans tomorrow. Um, you know the Jacksonville Jaguars will be keeping a close eye on that too. For sure. Uh, Monday Night Football last night, John. We had the doubleheader. Uh, the, we had the, the Saints and the Panthers in the earlier kickoff. And then we had the, the uh, Browns at the Steelers in the – Second game, the games kind of overlap for a couple hours. And so you get two games going at the same time. But these are two games, John, that have probably about as tight a tie in with the Texans as you can have in a primetime football game without having an AFC South team in in this, in participating in the game. Um, we'll start with New Orleans and Carolina, where Bryce Young is struggling big time right now, John. Lost to the Falcons by a couple touchdowns the first week. Lost to the Saints at home last night, where they 
they kind of had that buzz going like the Texans did for the Colts game on Sunday. You know, everybody climbing on board with that young rookie quarterback, and it's a new era of football. And um, and it was 2017 was the final score, but the game I never really felt like the Panthers were ever threatening. Bryce Young is averaging just barely over four yards per attempt right now. He is really, really struggling right now, John. Two games in, I feel like the Texans dodged a bullet. I'm Team Stroud. I think right now anybody who has watched Stroud in these first two games, and I wrote a column that's on SportsRadio610.com about this, know that they've got their franchise quarterback. It's just two games, but it has a lot more to do than the games. It has to do with behind the scenes, the way he is, the pressure he's under, not just because he's second overall pick, but because – of the offensive line he's playing behind. And uh, everything about Stroud I've been impressed with. And I watched the games last night because the Texans play all four teams. And I watched the Astros periodically. If I'd had a setup, media setup like you with a wall, I could have watched all three at the same time. So I did get uh, – uh, the Astros made me want to throw up. Mm-hmm. And those other games made me want to fall asleep. I wanted to see Watson. Watson, boy, you talk about struggling. He's struggling two, two face mask penalties. When's the last time you see a quarterback get a face mask penalty? Much less two, and not to mention he pushed an official, So and he didn't play well. Other than that, everything's fine with Watson, who won't have Nick Chubb behind him for the rest of the season. So Bryce Young did not look impressive. And I thought it was very interesting. A couple of times they showed the him walking up to the huddle and the – camera was on the ground and that just exacerbates how small he is it's almost <laughs> like he was going to get lost when he walked up to the line of scrimmage and and i'm sure that he'll end up doing very well two games is not a barometer for a career of course but right now i'll guarantee you that uh the texans are glad they beat the colts last year and didn't get the first pick and were tempted to take him over stroud because stroud has been terrific Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Stroud's been terrific. Stroud's been better than Deshaun Watson too, John. Like it's one of those things like you look, I I was looking at this before the podcast, just to circle over to the Steelers and Browns game. And I disagree with you in that I, it wasn't, I don't know how you phrased it. The, you know, it it was an ugly game, but I found it to be very compelling television. The Browns and the Steelers game. You know what I mean? I was interested in that game. It was ugly to watch. There wasn't a lot of great offense in that game, but those are two teams that hate each other. The nation, I don't think, is all that fond of Deshaun Watson, and he was failing miserably. So I found it to be really riveting television. I kind of went through, John. Like, I don't know that there's a single team that was in on Deshaun Watson 
throughout that process a year ago that isn't in a situation now with their quarterback where they're just either way better off or just, you know, in kind of a, a, a beginning of a rebuild situation where they're like, no, we're good. We'd rather have Bryce Young than, than Deshaun Watson, you know, on a rookie contract. The Texans much rather probably have C.J. Stroud now than, than Deshaun Watson, I would say. Two of the teams, John, that were in on Deshaun Watson early on, Philadelphia, who Deshaun nixed the trade to, and Miami, who nixed the trade themselves because Deshaun wouldn't settle his lawsuits, they have the number one and two guys on the odds board for the MVP in the league right now. Those are two teams, John, the Eagles and the Dolphins, that wanted to replace Hertz and Tungavailoa with Deshaun Watson, who might be the worst. He's certainly the most overpaid quarterback in the league right now. And they've got the top two MVP candidates. I mean, it just it really goes to show you how inexact this science is at the quarterback position. You know what they say, sometimes the best deals are the ones you do not make. I mean, and, uh, yeah. I'm sure both those teams are like, my God, thank God we didn't make those that trade for Watson. And Deshaun may end up having a great career, but in his first two games when he's had an offseason to get ready, he has not looked like the Watson we saw in 2020 who had 4,800 yards and over 30 touchdown passes and a rating number one or two in the league. I can't remember. He is not the same quarterback. And when I watched those games last night, which I thought were incredibly boring offense, I kept thinking, what in the world are the Texans' offensive tackles going to have to do when they play against Watt and Hyde Smith? They're going to get destroyed. Yeah, I tried to bury my head in the sand on that. I didn't want to think about that. I was having too much fun watching them destroy Deshaun Watson to spoil what was a fun Monday evening. So I didn't. I I, I chose to wait till Tuesday morning to have people remind me of that. John, you mentioned my setup. It's right right behind me here. If you're watching on video with the very big impressive two small TVs. Well, I was going to ask you how would you how would you position the three games last night on these three TVs right here? What would you do? How would you have put them? What would you have put on the big screen when they were all on at the same time? I would have had the Astros on the big one, and then yeah. I would have had Young and Watson on the ones at the top. Because if you had the, the football games on the bottom one, I probably would have fallen asleep. Yeah, that's what I. That's how I had it. By the way, John, I had the baseball game on the big one, and then the the two football games up top. And I, yeah, John, I'm I, I can't get with you on the boring part for the Browns and Steelers game. I don't know how you like, like that's. The game was always close, and Deshaun's out there getting destroyed. How do you get bored by something like that, John? I want a little better offense. I got tired of all the great defense. Okay. Do you like the Monday night? Do what? Do you like the Monday night doubleheader the way they did it with the stacked, the two games kind of stacked the way they had it? They're doing it again, and uh, I uh, don't won't have as much interest in that one as this. You know, I'll flip back and forth. You know, the Astros going to be playing a. Let's see. I don't know if they're off on Monday because after the Orioles, they have the Royals and then, uh, and they may be off before they go to go to Seattle for three games. But mm-hmm. I think because of the playoff race, I would have the Astro. I'm going to be watching the Astros and yeah. clipping, but uh, I've looked at the ones for Monday and they just don't float my boat like these did. Yeah. These were good ones. The, and the Texans play all four of these teams that played in these games last night. So there's, you know, you're doing a little scouting as well, I suppose. Um, so as far as that goes, John, let's do a little thing we call uh, general news and notes, of course, because you are the general. Um, and uh, C.J. Stroud, we mentioned C.J. Stroud. He's fourth in the NFL in passing yards right now. I know that he's put up some big numbers, but you got some notes on C.J. Stroud. Well, first of all, 
a note that kind of makes me want to throw up in my mouth and when I thought about it. The Texans haven't won at NRG Stadium since David Culley was the head coach. Whatever happened to home sweet home? Well, they don't have a home sweet home because that last victory ignited by Rex bleeping Burkhead the day after Christmas in 2021 when Burkhead ran wild and Davis Mills had a great game and he outplayed Justin Herbert and they beat the Chargers and we thought, man, they're going to have a strong finish, but they didn't. And that is amazing when you go as long as they have without winning a game at home, and I'm pretty sure they're not going to beat the Steelers when they play them here. So going, looking ahead at uh, Stroud, who was by far the best thing, he and Nico Collins and the other receivers were the best thing about the Colts game because it wasn't very good. It couldn't run. Their defense was awful. Huge disappointment. You know, the fact that he has completed 58 passes in his first two games, that's the second most for a rookie. In NFL history to Joe Burrow at 60 in uh, 2020. And he's combined for 626 yards. That's the fourth most by rookie quarterback in history after his first two. And in a column that's on Sports Radio 610, I went back and looked at Watson's two starts. Not counting when he came off the bench against Jacksonville in 17, but he took over a team that reached second round of the playoffs. And so it wasn't like he's taken over a team as bad as the one that Stroud has taken over. That's been terrible for three years. But remember, Watson won that first game on the road at Cincinnati, so he had one and one record and compared to 0-2. But Stroud's outplayed him in every way. Hadn't thrown an interception. Watson had thrown two. His rating's 91.5, and Watson was 84.4. And Watson had the experience of playing the second half when they got uh, cremated by the uh, Jaguars yeah. back when the Jaguars were going to be good. So I thought those were very interesting notes about C.J. Stroud. Can't wait to see him go up against the Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence. Every time – I wish the guy would just drop back to pass all the time because until they get Titus Howard and Juice Scruggs and Laramie Tunsil – and those guys back, they're not going to be able to run the ball. No, I'm with you. This whole establish the run thing, you're, you ain't establishing. You're not establishing anything. Figure out a way you can protect C.J. Stroud and move the ball through the air. That's the recipe, I think, to win games until they get all their guys back. You know, it's interesting, John, those first two Deshaun games, Um, I mean, those were – those were kind of tall orders. I mean, they they were – I know he was inheriting a team that made the second round of the postseason, but the first start, as you know, was a Thursday night in Cincinnati in prime time. The second start, they were a two-touchdown underdog to the New England Patriots, and Deshaun Watson – I mean, Deshaun Watson did everything to pull off the upset. He got screwed over because Bill O'Brien made some very conservative decisions at the end of that game that allowed the Patriots to get the ball back and Brandon Cook's – that one year he was with the Patriots ends up scoring the winning touchdown in that game. So that was, uh, I mean, that was a simpler time and place for Texan fans when it came to Deshaun. I, I, I always, anytime we get lauding CJ Stroud, like we do, and he's deserved, like he's, he seems to be the real deal. I think to myself, I'm like, all right, we were saying all these things about Deshaun Watson for two or three years. Also, I like, I, I'm not letting myself fall in love yet, John. You know what I mean? Watson problem wasn't on the field. No, it was not. Well, it is now. 
<laughs> yeah, that is. But I think it wasn't. There was nothing wrong with falling in love if you were a fan with Watson back then, because he showed so much promise. Everybody was so excited. People are saying the same things now about C.J. Stroud. And if you put him up against Anthony Richardson, who had two touchdowns rushing, one good series, throwing the ball, suffered a concussion. And Bryce Young, right now, to me, Stroud is number one of those three. Last week, I was said Richardson was one. And both weeks, I would say Bryce Young is third. Young went to a better team. You remember Panthers had traded up, up yeah. with the Bears. They weren't a bad team at all last year. They weren't. I he sure could use DJ Moore right now, though. I would say that in that you know, they had to give up DJ Moore to get him as part of that package. So we'll see. Not really working out for the Bears right now either, sticking with Justin Ooh. Fields. So it, that that's ugly too. All right, you ready to do some mailbag, John? We got some questions from the listeners here. Absolutely. All right, we do the mailbag in our midweek episode every week. H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com. That's how you can get in touch with us. And we we get a lot of questions. We pick the pick the ones that we like the best, but we do save some of them. Some of them are evergreen just fine, but uh, we've got about a half dozen or so here that we're going to go through uh, with John McClain. So let's get it started here. We'll start with Joe Cortez. Hey, guys, went to the game today. So this email came in on Sunday. Went to the game today. Much better atmosphere than years past. Feel great about CJ's progress, even with the backup O-line. My question is, what is the record for rookie QBs passing attempts without an interception to start a season? I don't know. I should look that up probably, John, before I we started the podcast. Maybe I'll look it up here while we're doing this thing. Um, but that might be the part for me that's most impressive about CJ Stroud is his ability to uh, his ability to avoid mistakes. No interceptions yet. Yet. Nobody has dropped a ball right in their hands and uh, that he threw a bad pass. He threw a couple that Colts were close to, but I think not just his poise under pressure, but his accuracy and the way he's getting rid of the ball so quick. If Josh Jones, I think it was Jones that had a penalty that rubbed out a long pass to Collins as well as a touchdown pass to Tank Dale. And uh, plus he gave up a couple of sacks. And I think that, he has been very smart with the ball. A lot of that's coaching from offensive coordinator Bobby Slowick and quarterback coach uh, Draw Johnson, but he's careful, and he's not shy about throwing the ball. You know, I still can't get over. He had a bad shoulder. He didn't know on Friday if he'd play. On Sunday morning, he didn't know how well he would play, even though he did. And I went back and watched every throw, Sean, and I couldn't tell one time. Okay, I can tell his shoulder's bothering him. I didn't see that at all. I haven't found anything right now that I don't like about C.J. Stroud. Maybe that'll change. There have been other quarterbacks early in their career, shot out of the gate, but, man, oh, man, this kid is so impressive on many fronts, including behind the scenes, because I asked for this column I was doing about uh, to Robert Woods, D'Amico, tell us something behind the scenes that we don't see that is impressive about Stroud. And everybody talks about how he conducts himself, the way yeah. he handles people. You know, he took the blame for his linemen, tried to praise him, and, you know, we didn't laugh. But, I mean, he was serious. Then one time he's talking about his family in the back of the room. Just everything about C.J. Stroud impresses me, and I've seen a whole lot of quarterbacks here and right out of the gate i've never seen one who impressed me like he has 
Um, so uh, we've got a, a, a note from our producer, James Jackson. The Texans have two registered drops on the season so far, John. One by Robert Woods, one by Dalton Schultz. And I remember the Schultz one. That was in the game right along Ooh. the near sideline. It was bad. It was bad. Right in his hands. Schultz got to get going, man. Schultz, Schultz is a guy who definitely needs to upgrade his game. Um, I don't know what the record is for most interceptions or most attempts without an interception to start a career, but StatMuse tells me that C.J. Stroud has the most attempts in NFL history for any quarterback without having thrown an interception, 91. Second, Stephen McGee, 82. Craig Dahl, 48. Ben DiNucci, 43. Obviously, this list does not include Those guys are like in the Hall of Fame, right? At Mahomes. Well, yeah, these are all guys who've only thrown like 40 passes and they didn't throw any interceptions. So right now, C.J. Stroud has the cleanest record of any quarterback in NFL history in terms of most attempts without an interception. Another It'll thing change. that impresses me, excuse me, Sean, is That's the fact okay. that he and Kyler Murray are the only rookies in history who completed at least 25 passes in their first two games. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, like I said, I haven't seen anything, no turnovers in the red zone. There's some other quarterbacks playing great. There's some other quarterbacks playing poorly. And uh, Texans got a lot of issues, but quarterback is not one of them. It's not. No turnovers in the red zone, but he need they do need to score more points when they get down in the red zone. I don't even know that that's on CJ. It feels like they get penalties every time they get yeah, down. Yeah, about Josh days. Jones. That was a yeah. big one to take away yeah. a touchdown. John, our friend Rick Tindall is emailing the show, and he's not happy with me, I think, in particular, but maybe both of us. He says, I agree to a point where you and John – we're saying about the coaching, but the opinion that the honeymoon period is over for D'Amico is a big stretch. This team's only won 11 games in three years and has more wounded than a Civil War reenactment. I don't care that we were favored. This team's going to struggle. You're also way too hard on Slowick. How do you slam him for the lack of success but praise Stroud for almost 400 yards passing? Is Slowick not responsible for the passing game? All that said, I want to see more from the defensive front. Leave Tank Dell in on special teams. Let's dial back the criticism until the team is healthy, and let's see where we we are then. So I'd say to Rick, John, who's a good friend of both of ours, he's part of your posse. He even says the posse has spoken. Rick, <laughs> um, this is what I would say, is that my criticism of Slowick was a very specific one about the pace of the game, the choices of plays, running the football, burning the clock down, just a complete lack of urgency on, on offense. Yeah, CJ threw for a bunch of yards, and Bobby Slowick takes part in that. But I, you know, I can't sit here in a game where they they lose by eleven points and say how awesome the 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 OC was. I just, you know, so that's that's my that's my thought on that. Are we being too hard on D'Amico and Bobby Slowick, John? Uh, no, because the team played bad. And in yeah. in Slowick's case, when I went back and watched it, it was in late in the third quarter. Yeah. And Chris Myers and Robert Smith, the Fox broadcasters, were wondering why they didn't speed it up and why they kept handing the ball off when they were so far behind and Stroud was playing so well. And I can understand why Rick Tindall's upset about the short honeymoons because he and his wife, Carrie, have been on like a 20-year honeymoon. Yeah, I know. He's too nice. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, all right, Chris in the ATL, he says, I'm here for Sean's rage rant against Bobby Slowick. Dude needs to speed up the tempo. Give me Bobby Fastic, he says. <laughs> he goes on. To- <laughs> you like that, huh, John? Like it, yeah. Bobby Fastic. Um, but Stroud has performed admirably under the circumstances. So do you think Slowick is scheming the pace of play for CJ's development to help with processing and reading the defense? And each week that CJ continues to improve, maybe Slowick speeds it up. That's my hope, at least. Do you think any of that slow pace they were doing, John, was with purposefulness about C.J. Stroud? I don't think C.J. doesn't strike me as a guy who can't handle tempo. They were doing tempo during the game on Sunday. Maybe they were just trying to get the running game going because they thought they were going to get bait. No, that's yeah. not the that's not the answer. Slowick was really good when he talks on Thursday with the coordinators. We'll ask him on Thursday, and I'm sure he'll address it. Why were they playing so slow and running the ball in the third quarter when they were so far behind? And I'm sure he'll take the blame for it. But when it comes to Stroud, he's done a tremendous job. So has, has Gerard Johnson because they're coaching him. And, uh, I, I, boy, I just can't say enough good things about the way Stroud is playing so far. Hope he keeps it going this weekend against Jacksonville. Maybe they can get the upset. All right, let's keep it moving. Pharmacist Glenn. We got a couple emails about Dalton Schultz, John. People are not happy with Dalton Schultz. Pharmacist Glenn says, what do you think the reason uh, the reason appears to be why do you, what do you think the reason is there appears to be no chemistry between CJ Stroud and Dalton Schultz? I was hoping he'd give the team the same kind of safety net that Owen Daniels did back in the day. One observation on my part, this is Glenn saying this, I attended every open training camp practice this year, as I always do. Many days after practice, Stroud, Dell, Nico, John Mechie, they'd stay after and run drills together. I never saw Schultz do this. Could that be a possible contributing factor? So um, and then there's Dave Howard, John, who says that he's going to be Dalton bleeping Schultz by the middle of the season this year. Um, <laughs> That's a so good just, one, I guess, Dave. Yeah. So what? So just thoughts, John, on um, on Dalton Schultz and the slow start that he seems to have with C.J. Stroud. Well, I don't have any idea, but I'm guessing, like on that drop, he was looking down the field. He wanted to catch that ball on the sideline, take off. You know, guys drop passes. He's a veteran. He's on a one-year make-it deal. You know, he's got a lot – he needs to have a good season, so he's got a chance to make money. But the Cowboys let him walk. They had had him as a franchise, and they let him walk instead of signing him to a kind of deal he was looking for. Now, it's two games. Maybe he'll play better. It's obvious the rapport between C.J. Stroud and Nico Collins is through the roof. And Robert Woods is making a lot of clutch catches. Tank Dale should have had two touchdowns, not for a penalty. I like what they're doing with the wide receivers. And right now, you know, they're struggling at tight end. And they're not running the ball, and they're behind, so they have to throw it a lot. So you'd think the tight ends would figure into it. But what I liked about him and Nico is all those were quick drops. He was firing the ball, hitting Nico in full stride. Nico at 6'4", was breaking some tackles. Can't wait to see what the Jaguars are going to do to take away those quick slants. It might open up some deep routes. Next one, Joe wants us to rank a handful of teams who are off to different starts, a couple 2-0 starts, a few 0-2 starts. Ranking things on a podcast is awkward to me. Um, just 
because I'm I'm basically listing off teams to John, and John's having to remember which teams I'm saying to him. So instead, John, what I thought I'd do is just a quick impromptu for real or fugazi with you on these six teams, and you tell me there there there's a few zero and twos, or there's a two and zero, there's a one and one, and you tell me for real or fugazi are the records these teams have indicative of what they're gonna be by the end of the season. For real means they are indicative. Fugazi means, no, that record is fake. They're going to be better or worse than what the record is. Okay, so you ready, John? Quick impromptu for, for real or Fugazi. The Commanders are 2-0, and John. Is that a for real 2-0, and or are they going to be a Fugazi? It's a Fugazi. Yeah. They're, I, they, they have had two big comeback victories against two bad teams, and they're in the same division with a couple other 2-0 and teams, <laughs> the Eagles and the Cowboys, who, John, they are not Fugazi, either of those teams. No. Bengals are 0-2. Are they a for real 0-2 or are they Fugazi? I'm going to say for real. Doesn't mean they're going to be winless, but Joe right. Burrow's got issues with his calf. When you see a guy over there rolling a vibrator on his calf between plays, you know that's an issue. And he could also – it could affect him the rest of the season. So I'm not – I still – I pick Baltimore to win the division, win the Super Bowl. I'm sticking with them. Uh, right now it looks like Pittsburgh and Cincinnati and Cleveland – will be fighting for second last, but I'm not thinking that the Bengals are a lock to go to the play win the division or go to the playoffs. That was a vibrator he was rolling on his calf there, John. Is that what you call that? Not that I've ever seen one, but uh, that's what it looked like to me. That's what somebody told you it was? Okay, gotcha. Um, the uh, Los Angeles Chargers, John, they are 0-2. For real or Fugazi? I think that's uh, for Gazy. I think they just get too much talent. Brandon Staley's getting blasted, of course, as being the first coach who's going to be fired. You had a great quarterback in Justin Herbert. I think they will be a wild card team. John, they, the, some of the, the stats on their first two losses this year are incredible. There's an article in The Ringer, like a summary article of week two, and there have been – what was one of them? There have been 30 the, – the, the Bengals – Bengals. The Chargers are the 33rd team since some year here recently. The 33rd team, maybe in league history, it might be, to score 50 points with zero turnovers in their first two games, like 50 combined or more, and not turn the ball over. They're the first ones to go 0-2 in the history wow. of the league. To have done well, that. I feel good about my Fugazi. About yeah, the they're Fugazi. Yeah, no, they're and there's other there were other stats I had in this article that are just I don't recall all of them, but it was it's remarkable that they're 0 and 2 at this point. Just put it that way. Uh, the Giants, he has the Giants in here one and one. So you know, one and one means you're a 500 team for real or Fugazi on the Giants, John. Yeah, I'm a for real. I think one and one they end up like eight and nine. Yeah, I didn't think they were for real last year. They did it. Brian Dable did a great job, but I just don't seem to be talented enough to stay in the running with Dallas or Philadelphia like they did last year. Broncos are 0-2, for real or Fugazi? Boy, I hope for real. I want to see them do poorly. Yeah, me um, too. They got clock management issues. And somebody should I... ask Sean Payton, well, you know, you got clock management issues just like uh, – uh, what's Nathaniel. Nathaniel. Nathaniel Hackett. Yeah, Hackett would say you, but uh, yeah. uh, he should be embarrassed. Uh, Joe put the Texans in here, John. I don't know if this is a rib on us or not, but Texans 0-2, for real or Fugazi? For real. All the rankings I've seen have them as the worst yeah. team in the league right now, even worse than Arizona. That's not good. We thought, well, they play the NFC South. That's going to be an easy schedule. Uh, three of them three, are undefeated. Three of them are 2-0. and I know. It's crazy. 
It's crazy. Um, which brings us to the last question, John, from Corby. So which games will the Texans be favored in the rest of the way? Zero. You think zero? Zero. I don't know, John. If they get it, if they get their guys back, get it straightened out, I think they could be favored over Arizona. They won't be favored in any road games, of course. I think they could be favored over Arizona at home. Yeah, I forgot about Arizona. They That'll play Arizona. Play You're right. That's the only one. They play Denver at home. Yeah, Denver beat them last year. I I don't know, yeah. but I just don't see them being favored. They're going to have to make a big turnaround on it's just one game, Sean, but everybody was fired up after yeah. the 25 to 9 loss about how good the run defense was. Yeah. And and uh, and then this one, it was just such a letdown. They yeah. they played like, oh, Anthony Richardson might run the ball. Like how, they didn't even believe, know it. No, John, he was untouched until MG, MJ Stewart concussed him at the goal line. He was untouched on both of those carries. It was embarrassing. It was, it, I mean, there's just, there's no two ways about it. Anybody <laughs> this? If you watch the tape, you'll yeah. see Will Anderson go firing up field. Oh. And when Richardson went around the right corner, Anderson's back was to him. Yeah. It, no, dude, it was bad. It was so bad. Uh, all right. H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com. John, we'll do a preview of the Jags game a little later this week. A little for real or for gazy. What do you got going on on sportsradio610.com? I've got a column about the Texans finally having their second franchise quarterback and also – the 50-year reunion of the original Houston Arrows is this weekend, Ooh. and uh, I'm going Thursday night, the first night, and I'm writing a column about my experiences covering them my first two years at the Chronicle with Gordy, Marty, and Mark Howe, and all these players are coming back. I can't wait to see them. They won't even remember me, but if they did, they'll say, no, that guy weighed 180. That, that, couldn't, <laughs> that couldn't be you. And uh, so I'm looking forward to writing about my experiences. And then I may write on Thursday, Astros are off before that big series against the Royals, who just beat them two out of three. Mm. I think I'll write about the Astros after the Orioles going to play uh, the Royals. Good. Sounds good, John. We'll look forward to all of that on SportsRadio610.com. John, I appreciate it as always. Enjoyed it. Thank you, Sean. There it is. Uh, big thanks to James Jackson, our producer, who gets the podcast out to all of you each and every week. Great stuff. We appreciate him very much. Hit that subscribe button. So you get the podcast automatically wherever it is you get your podcast. So for the general John McClain and uh, for James Jackson, I'm Sean Pendergast. We are out of time. We will see all of you Thursday of this week as we get you ready for Texans in Jags in week three. Have a great week, everybody.